On this episode of the Launchpad Podcast, we're going to talk about the fight for uh, wing minutes on the Rockets' starting rotation, uh, how will Alperen Klingon be used to start the season, and if you're open to the possibility of, with the cap space the Rockets have next offseason, bringing on uh, James Harden back to the team. So it's going to be a really fun episode. Uh, stay with us on the Launchpad Podcast. Houston, Roger, we copy and standing by for your TV. They throw it up, oh, there goes Jalen Green. Humans can't fly. Rebound picked up by Green, who's back in. Plays it ahead of Moore, back to Green. Oh, and time for Thanksgiving. We've got plenty of yams to go around for Hello and welcome into another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. I'm your host, Paul Alves, and you can find me on Twitter at PaulAlvesNBA. You can find the pod uh, at Clutch City Control Room, and if you go in the description there, you can find the link tree with the YouTube link to all the platforms, um, with the YouTube link and all of the platforms uh, that the pod's on. Uh, we wanted to thank you all for all the comments you have left in the previous um, episodes of the podcast. We'll continue to give it our best to try and reply to every single one of y'all. Uh, today, as a first, because, well, not a first, because Don's been leaving me oh, for, for quite a bit lately, but we are joined by Brad, which you might have seen on, on the, the Brad Owen Will Show on this channel as well. Brad, go ahead and tell the people about where they can find you. Yeah, I'm not your ordinary host, but I'm filling in for Dante's at the Astros game. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm on Cluster Control Room as well. Of course, I'm a host on the Brad and Will Show. You can check us out over there on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Brado NBA for all your favorite Rocket stats and content, all that good stuff. So if you want to look at my content, I'm right there. And our special guest for today's episode is Frank. You uh, you probably know him from, from the spaces on Twitter. Frank, go ahead and tell the people where they can find your stuff. Yeah, they can find me at ftank58. Um, also, I'm a content creator for the HTX Chop Shop um, YouTube page. We have a Twitter page. I'm just trying to bring great basketball content to everybody. Appreciate y'all for bringing me out. Let's chop up some basketball. Yeah, the yeah. pleasure starts. You, you've been for sure for sure doing that. Um, yeah, and so our first segment for today is uh, a discussion that's been going on pretty much ever since the draft, but especially it's in Summer League. Uh, depending on who you ask on, on Rockets Twitter and in Rockets fans in general, one of the biggest questions going into the season is the wing rotation, right? You've got Kleshante pretty much locked into one of those spots. You've got Eric Gordon, but then you have KJ Martin, Tari Eason, um, even Usman Garuba to some extent, if you want to play him at the four, right? And you, oh, you also got Jabari Smith uh, also locked into one of those forward positions. And so that leaves the Rockets in a position where they have too many young players that they want to play and they don't have enough spots for them all to play. And so that's that's going to be our first segment. I don't know, uh, Frank, you are our uh, KJ Martin specialist. I, I think, <laughs> um, yeah. I think you're... I think, um, just trying to predict, I think KJ Martin is probably your, your favorite uh, out of these three, but go ahead and, and make your case. Who do you think uh, uh, okay. you, well, he, he's... you bring off the bench? 
out of out of the three between Tari, uh, KJ, and and um, and Tate, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, okay. Let me let me first of all, I yeah, I out of the class of 2020, 2021 rookies, I would say KJ is my favorite. Um, just because he's everything that you know, I mean, you want in that position. I think people, when I say that I like him better than Tate, and you know, everybody can cap right now because they act like they love Tate, but I vividly remember everybody saying that they wanted KJ to start during the season. That was a topic that we all kind of talked about during the uh, spaces and y'all spaces and our spaces. People got in arguments over it. Uh, the reason we all saw what was happening during the season is that KJ fits the prototype of a player that we need next to players that are ball dominant, like Kevin Porter Jr., like Jalen Green, and for this season, like Alperen Shangun. I mean, it's 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 a toss up to me if you want to argue which one of them is better um, as far as in a vacuum. Um, you know, Tate has his strengths and his weaknesses. KJ has his strengths and his weaknesses. But as it relates to the construct of the team, the reason I like KJ is because KJ is a linking player. He cuts, he passes, he defends. And if I have Jalen Green uh, coming in a year two, I have Kevin Porter Jr. coming in year four. I have Alperen Shangun year two. We just drafted Jabari. I don't need a, a, a undersized three or four that's going to be posting up. I don't need an undersized three or four that's going to be playmaking because I have a lot of playmaking. I need a three or four that can hit threes, defend. And the reason I also like KJ is because he provides a little bit of vertical spacing for the team, which is a dynamic I don't think any other player um, on our roster currently provides. But that's my case for uh, KJ. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. I agree with, with much of what you said. I also was one of the people back then at the end uh, last season that was wanting KJ to be the starter, mostly because there's a shooting difference there. Uh, you, you might argue that volume is different, but KJ is or looked to be for most of his career so far a better shooter than than Jay Sean. And so on a team that was playing that that's playing these guys as a forward and not as a center they're not being involved in the pick and roll and they're not handling the ball you expect them to space the floor and kj was the better one uh at doing that and so just from a strictly offensive standpoint it always made sense uh but brad what's what's your take on on the the forward rotation yeah so obviously you know jabari is going to be starting so you have that one spot at the three i think it's going to be eric gordon but if we're not talking about eric gordon then you got kj tate and tari I'll tell you right now, um, Tate will be the last person I would start at that position. I like Deshaun <laughs> Tate, even if I personally think he's the better of the entire group. I just don't think the spacing is adequate with him and Shane Goon on the floor. Um, there was a, a really good chart uh, put out there by NBA University on Twitter. It pretty much showed how open you are on the court, you know, against other players in the NBA. Shane Goon and Tate were in the bottom 10. So the floor space was terrible. And, you know, you got Jalen Green, KPJ, guys who need to get to the cup at will. Um, the spacing is not going to be good if you got two guys who are just being left wide open. You know, to put some perspective there, Russell Westbrook was the worst in the league at that, just to get an idea of what I'm talking about in that aspect. But, yeah, Jason Tate, I like him, but I don't like the spacing with him in the lineup. You know, as for KJ, uh, you know, Frank said it best. You know, that's a guy that fits well with the starting lineup. He's not obviously not ball dominant. Um, he's been shooting not too bad as of late. I want to say 35.7% last year, 36% uh, in his first season. Um, I like KJ. You know, he's active on defense. You know, Frank will, will preach to you. He's, he's a better defender than people will give him credit for. Even though what I was giving him credit for, he, I, you know, I went back and started looking at, you know, KJ, he could play some really good defense for the Rockets. 
Um, but when it, when it comes to him uh, starting, I don't think it's going to happen. I want him to play back up four minutes. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that I want all three of these guys that we're discuss are talking about right now to be in the rotation. You know, uh, Usman Gruba would sadly be the odd man out in in my you know case. Um, I would put Tari at back up five to start because we just have so many wings and there's a log jam right now. So uh, I'm looking at you know Jay Sean Tate uh, and KJ being a backup three and four, and then you know Tari being that backup five. He looked good in the summer league uh, playing at the five. He did it at LSU as well. You know, in spot minutes, you know, they, they play a weird defense at LSU, but Tari, he was really good at doing it, and he looked good in the summer league doing it as well. So that's how I kind of feel about it. Um, I like KJ. If he did start the three, I would like it. Um, him and Shangun had the best chemistry on the team last year, if you're looking at two players. So I would like that, but I, I just don't see it happening. So you'd have Gordon starting with the four that are locked in, and then you'd have Tate at the three, KJ at the four, and Tarisen with the backup five minutes off the bench, right? Yeah, yeah. And then for, you know, Eric Gordon, really quickly, I, I like him in the lineup. I know people are like, oh, man, he's so undersized at the three. I can't do it anymore. He's old. Get him off the team. I want to develop the young core. Well, well, hear me out. Eric Gordon does develop, help the young core develop because he adds spacing to a team that lacks a lot of shooters. There's, you know, there's a case for even playing Garrison Matthews in the backup unit just to get some spacing out there. You know, we were going through a space on Twitter with Pablo and him, and it's hard to get some shooters out there. So Eric Gordon being a 42.6% catch-and-shoot player alongside Kevin Porter Jr., best catch-and-shoot three-point player in the NBA, Jalen Green, Jabari, supposed to be a sniper, and then Shangun. Shangun's going to prosper with all those shooting, all that shooting on the court. You know, Jalen's going to prosper with all that space. KPJ going to prosper with all that space, you know? I like Eric Gordon a lot. Yeah, I would add that Eric Gordon, um, if he does start, if he, like, really gets real minutes, I think the team is going to be better than people think because, yeah. like you pointed out, Brad, he addresses so many needs on the team. And even when I was just looking at the season, uh, you know, overview of the season, obviously all their best lineups feature Eric Gordon. Um, he is, uh, as you know, um, Paulo, as I showed you in that graph, he's a three and D monster. Like you can put him on any team. He's guarding. He's going to hit his threes, especially on catch and shoots. He spaces way out to the 30 foot range. And you imagine a team with Jabari Smith, um, on the line with Jalen Green, with Kevin Porter, and then you put Eric Gordon there and talk about improving your defense. And, and um, to me, that the uh, everything we've done really bodes well for some of our weaker players. And, and you know, as we talk about some of the next topics, um, we'll, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit, how guys like Eric Gordon and the addition of Tari and Jabari really helped the team as a whole. So, Frank, we, Brad gave us his ideal, you know, the, the starting being Eric Gordon and then how he used all three of those off the bench, right? In in an ideal world, who would be your starter, right? And then who'd be your who'd be your three or four and your five off the bench? Okay, so if, if if I was if I was like a real coach, I'm gonna put all my favorite player stuff aside. I would start Eric Gordon at the three. So my starting five would be um, Kevin Porter, Jalen, Eric Gordon, um, Shangun, and Jabari. And then the rotations at the five would be Jabari, Shangun and Tari and some machination of that. The rotation at the four would be uh, Tari, Jabari, Tate, and KJ. And in the way I have it, some of them are going to overlap different positions. And then rotation at the three would be um, with EG, um, EG, KJ, pretty much the, almost the four with Garrison Matthews um, in addition to that. Then the guards, you know, um, I think Ty Ty probably gets squeezed out. Um, to go to the G League. Um, 
I just see them, you know, Knicks, as much as we hated him <laughs> in the uh, summer league, um, he actually, to me, he still, he showed some things. And I'm sure just like we give credit to all the other young players to say if they were in a real basketball setting with real players, they would look better. So I'm sure they are thinking some of that with Nick. So I, I can't just see them just giving Ty Ty the range right now. Um, so, and Garuba to me is the odd man out as well. Sad to say, I really, uh, you know, the him being hurt doesn't help him at all with the summer league thing. So I just, with the talent coming in, you know, he was a later pick. Tari and, and Jabari coming in and kind of push him down the rung a little bit. So um, I would say he gets squeezed out. Yeah. And to me, I think the with I think what you said about the rotation is pretty much where I where I stand at. I think even though Garuba is his one plus one year in the NBA compared to Tari, it just seems like Tari seems less out of place uh, when he's playing. Even even back in summer league, right? We only saw summer league, but it seems to be a player that's more NBA ready somehow. Even though he's got one more year of experience, and so I think Garuba might spend some time in the G League, which is really tough because. If he doesn't play this year, or at least for most of this year, and then next year they have all of the cap space, which we'll get into in the last segment, then he'll likely never go. He's likely not never going to get a real chance. That sucks, but it's the it's the harsh reality about these prospects when you have so many of them. They're not all going to get a chance, and not they're not all going to pan out. I'm not dooming Garuba to not panning out already, right? He can still contend, contending teams that don't give players minutes sometimes develop guys as well, right? That it's not a it's not mutually exclusive. Sometimes guys take a little bit longer through the G League, but they eventually come around. Uh but yeah, I think there was definitely the odd man out. But another thing that I want to touch on, so we've all I think I agree as well, I think Gordon's gonna start, right? But to me that brings up a question. If your backup unit is Knicks who's a good who was a good shooter in summer league and in the G League, so he's uh, I would probably call him a plus shooter, but even though he wasn't really uh, in the NBA, I don't know how much of that was just him adapting. But he projects to be a plus shooter, right? And then you have Josh Christopher, who struggled last year, who struggled in the G League. So even if you go optimistically and you call him average, right? Then you've got Tate, KJ, and Tari as the remaining three wings. You can squeeze Carson Matthews there, but he's probably not going to get an uh, amount of minutes big enough. It's also possible that they stagger them, and so maybe one of KPJ or Jalen uh, are playing with the second unit, and those guys do provide more spacing. But it seems like that's going to be a problem. Do you guys see eventually, like, eventually Garrison Matthews climbing up the minute chart like he did last season just because the team has to be functional because that second that second lineup just seems <laughs> it's not a five in lineup but it's pretty damn close to it and i'll give my, my personal take first i think it's fine i wouldn't really i wouldn't really ramp uh Gerson matthews minutes too much because even though they would probably play more functional basketball i actually don't mind these guys that are not great shooters to get those reps shooting, even if they're missing, just because of the fact that, well, they'll need to develop a shot if they're going to be successful in the NBA, right? This is not, we're not asking a pick and roll center to be shooting corner threes, even though that's not his, go his game whatsoever. We're asking guys that project to be somewhat three in the wings that are not quite as much three as they are the, right now. And so I think even though it will look ugly, 
personally, I would I would keep Garrison Matthews um, on the low for as long as I can until it it just becomes too big of a problem eventually. If, if that happens, then sure. But how do you guys feel about Garrison Matthews and his role in this rotation, considering the spacing? I'll go um, really quickly. Yeah, you can go first, man. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, I'm pretty sure Silas came out and said, and I'll have to go back and double check, but I think Silas was pretty much getting at that he's going to be a lot better with giving out spot minutes this year. And I can see Garrison coming in for, even if it's less than 10 minutes a game, just coming in in times where the lineup would just look nasty, you know, from a spacing perspective, right? So Garrison is playing. Yeah, I don't need no five-in lineups, no four-in lineups, not even a three-in lineup. I need four shooters (laughs) on the floor. (laughs) But... Yeah, I'm cool with, you know, Garrison getting those spot minutes. Because uh, it doesn't even have to be every game. But if they stretch it out to an 11-man rotation from time to time, I wouldn't blame him one bit. You know, Garrison, he's a he's a good shooter. And going back to that little openness chart that I was talking about, Garrison was one of the top 10, you know, highly guarded players in the NBA on the three-point line. Just because of the, that's how much gravity he held on the Rockets. And not that he's a better shooter than anybody else, but, like, everyone knew, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the guy on the Rockets. They just want him to come off screens and shoot. So he, he creates so much spacing. So... Getting him in for like ten minutes a game, I wouldn't be opposed to it. What do you What do you think, Frank? Yeah, I I definitely agree. It might even be more, just because I I believe that um Coach Silas with his offensive philosophy of five out really loves shooting. Um, you know, I've been watching some videos that he had made for the, this thing called Coaching You, and he describes his um just his overall framework for offense, and his biggest thing is just five out spacing. And I think it kind of makes sense now, now that I'm thinking about it, while Alperin didn't get as many minutes as we all were, uh, you know, championing for, and why he was playing Garrison Matthews almost damn near 30 minutes of stretches during the season. Um, Because I think he really values the spacing, even over some things like defense, because his offense isn't functional when you have just that, like you said, you know, three three guys that can't shoot. So I I can imagine a a lineup where Garrison is paired with a non-shooter, like almost exclusively, Maybe Tari and Gar- Garrison or Tate and Garrison always sub in together to kind of neutralize um, uh, what they do. But I'm not mad at, you know, my problem with him, honestly, is that, like, bro, you don't have to shoot as soon as you touch. Like, this dude jumps sideways and shoot threes. Like, yeah. no regard for, like, human life, just throwing up whatever. Like, he's jumping from half court and it's like, th- you know, game on the line. He's just throwing it. Like, it just used to make me mad. If he could reel that back just a little bit, like just play your role. Watch some film on JJ Reddick. You don't have to take every shot. If you don't, if it's not there, reset. You can screen, screen, screen till you get an open shot. You know, a lot of the great shooters do that. Um, I just think he had a little too much of a green light. It was like neon green. Um, he needs to dial that back a little bit. Then I wouldn't mind, even though he's, you know, gets cooked on defense. I, I wouldn't mind because of the spacing. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on on the shots that he's taking. I think some of them were just, well, the offense can't get any better, so let me just check check up a shot. But then a lot of it was like, there's 15 seconds left on the shot clock, and you're taking a a 30-foot contested three off a screen. So there's it it could definitely get frustrating. And to me, that's a little bit of of the price to pay when you're trying to find shooters uh, out of, you know, Gilly players, which is what Garrison Matthews was to begin last season. props to him from for earning an NBA contract, but it's not like you, you draft with a sharpshooter. And so it's going to come with, with, with some of those, uh, the goods can come with some of that bad. The, that being said, uh, we're pretty much 
at the mark to end our first segment. So in, on, our, on our next segment, we'll talk about Shengun, who was touched on this segment, and how he'll be used within the Rockets offense now that he's a starter. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back. And for our second segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about how, Sheng, how we think Shengun will be used now that he's a starter, playing starter minutes. Uh, but to start us off, you know, we've got brand new, so we couldn't bring him on without him showing up, showing up a little bit of the stats. So he brought a graph for us. Uh, Brad, how, how do you, so what's your interpretation of this graph and how do you think Klingon will be used at least to start the season? So looking at this graph, right, you have every center going back to 2015 as a rookie compared against one another. So you have their playmaking talent on this y-axis and on the x-axis how good of a post score they are, you know, post per possession. So I'll go through this really quickly. I'm not trying to be too analytical, but if you look at that very top right, you see, you know, the best big man in, uh, big, best big man in the NBA, you know, two-time MVP, Jokic as a rookie, and then Shane Goon. You know, they're in a league of their own in this category. Extremely good playmakers and really good in the post as a rookie. You know what I'm saying? So now that Shane Goon is going to have a lot more minutes, and you can uh, pull the, uh, the chart away now, Paulo, if you want to. But now that, you know, Shane Goon is a starter, he's going to get way more minutes, a lot more opportunities. As you saw in that graph, he's a good post scorer, you know, going off of points per possession. He's a good playmaker as well. Um, a really good playmaker in the post as well, too. Really good decision maker. Um, you know, the, the offense is going to run through Jalen Green. You know, that's just what's going to happen. You know, he's a, he's a, you know, the number one piece to the Rockets puzzle. You know, at the end of the day, you know, everything has to run through him. But, you know, Shangu needs a lot more touches, a lot more emphasis needs to be on him. The Rockets need more ball movement. And it's going to start with, you know, I think getting Shangu in the ball, you know, at the top of the key, he's really good in that aspect. And, you know, as we talked about, um, hopefully he gets some minutes with KJ, even if, you know, KJ doesn't start just because they have, their chemistry is that good together, you know. Shangu works really well with cutting players. Um, you know, if Tate does start, you know, that would be good. You know, Tate's not a bad cutter, but KJ's a way better cutter. I'd like to see that. Um, and if he's not the top of the key, just run him in the post. And you, and you have four shooters in the starting lineup. They're not going to be able to double team him towards the end of last year. We saw teams starting to send doubles towards Shangun. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to double if you got, you know, four shooters out there. You know, hopefully Jabari shoots way better than he did in the uh, in the summer league, which I'm expecting. You know, you can't put too much stock into summer league. You know, Jabari is a good shooter, so. I'm under the assumption you're not going to be able to just double team Shangun like that. And if you do, there's going to be a good shooter out there that can knock down a three ball. So that's how I'm hoping they use Shangun. You know, a lot more actions at the top of the key, a lot more post ups. You know what I'm saying? You know, he he's too good, you know, to not get a lot of touches. And now that he's starting, they traded Wood for a reason. Just yeah, get that sure. the ball. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to, we saw when he was, so Shangun was basically the little point guard or, or the, the main engine of the second unit for first in last season. And something we saw a lot was uh, those plays with a, a good movement shooter or, or a good three-point shooter in general, because we didn't really have many of those. We saw how good Klingun was uh, when paired up with uh, DJ Augustine, for example. We saw how good he was when we were running Armani Brooks and, and Gerson Matthews in the same lineup and they would just run those, those little actions at the, top, at, at the at, in the wings. I would be really interested to see how that works with a guy like Ty Ty Washington, who's a guy who's really good at reading how the defense is reacting to what's happening live. And combined with that, he's someone who's got a really quick trigger finger in his jump shot. Um, and so, I know Ty Ty probably won't play to start the season as much as I would like him to, 
I think Knicks might be able to do this as well. We we saw little flashes of it in summer league where he would run the action and then he would walk up he would walk up into a pull up three, right? Um, so if he can do that, I think that skill sets it's is really useful when you're playing with Shengun. The other thing I would touch on is I think Shengun will be staggered with KPJ as much as possible. Um, I think they will try to have um, between Jalen. KPJ and Shengun, they'll try to have one on the floor, on the floor pretty much at all times. Uh, and so his chemistry with uh, his cards and their ability to be able to pull up and, and navigate the pick and roll is going to be really important. And then besides that, let's just watch him Shengun ball. Give the ball to him in the post and, and let him cook. And if he gets double team, let him kick out to open shooters. Like we saw, this, this was something that I wanted to see a lot last season. And I feel like we didn't see enough or when we saw it, it was really on and off. So we would see it for a stretch and then he'd go like two or three games without designated that is specifically for him. Um, and it's also something that Salah said that now that he's had a, an entire off season that he's going to rework his offense a little bit. And I hope that uh, a big part of it, at least when KPJ or when Jalen are not on the floor with him, that we give him the ball and we let him be the true engine. But, but Frank, what about you? How do you feel Shingon will be used? Yeah, I think you guys hit a lot of the great points, especially Brad pointing out the points per possession that Shingon generated in the post, which I think is very key um, in drawing those double teams. And if the fact that he's not a spacer right now, um, him being so skilled in the post is what's going to allow him to be on the floor because the point of any system of basketball is to be able to generate um, help from the from more than one defender. So if you're whether it's driving to get two feet in the paint or being an elite shooter, if you can skew the defense enough where they need to come and help, then you've done your job. And um, for him, I think in that post, um, being able to pass out of there. So that means the players around him have to be guys that like cutting and moving. And I think that's why him and KJ, and you pointed out with a lot of the players that they um, that he prepared, uh, played really well with, they moved around a lot. Um, I'm curious to see how he looks with Jabari. I think Jabari is a very active off-ball player. He's always setting screens, moving, trying to coordinate the offense. So I think that's going to be a, a nice matchup. And him and Jalen actually had some great chemistry um, towards the end of the season. I think Jalen was shooting almost like 59% on uh, passes assisted to him by Shangun. Um, and if you just watch the game, Shangun's a great, he's just a big, strong kid. So when he sets a screen, he sets a screen compared to like Wood, which is like, you know, hiding behind a bush, <laughs> but uh, compared to like an oak tree or something. But yeah, so, you know, I, I think um, for him and another thing within the offense, when they do go five out with a guy that can't shoot, it's not like it's if you can. That's why it's important. Like we were talking about earlier with the spacing. If you have one player that can't shoot on a five out offense, that's fine, because what it does is when you pass the ball out to him in Silas's offense, what they want the players to do is to use him as a screener, because if, if for example, if he, uh, he's flanked on one side by Jalen KBJ's on the other side, you have Eric Gordon in the corner and Jabari in the corner. If they run an action where one of those guys penetrates the defense, wherever that help comes, there's going to be a disadvantage somewhere. And if one of those players just runs a screen handoff with Shangun, then the defense is going to be messed up because they're going to be trying to rotate, rotate, rotate. So it's, it's just important that they move. And then with his passing ability is the icing on the cake. If he couldn't pass with his non-shooting right now, I don't think he, he should be starting. But the fact that he has such great vision, that he's a good screener, uh, he can see the court. Um, it really kind of mitigates some of the spacing issues that he might have. 
Uh, so, yeah, I think he, he'll – his thing is that he just has to show us that he can play defense at a, as an NBA center on a high level consistently because I think if he can't show that, Jabari getting a lot of a burn at five to me was a blessing and a curse for a lot of players on the roster because he looked great. And so I can see Silas probably in the back of his mind like, you know, maybe we need to pivot to that. So then, you know, that's just my take on that. Yeah, I think uh, a really important part of what you talked about, about the, the generating advantages is having guys that will make the correct decision with that advantage because you need once you generate the advantage, you need to keep the defense on its toes so that they can't just rotate back into position. So you need to be quick and you need, and you need to, be, to be smart with, with your decisions. And I wonder how that will go on a team that's this young. Uh, and I think that's that's a little bit of why South's offense looks so lost at times. It's because, well, these are really young players. And sometimes you're generating the advantages, but they're not seeing them in time. And so, or, or, or they see them in time, but eventually in that chain, one of the links doesn't make the correct decision. And so that advantage is lost. And then you end up trying to reset the offense and you end up settling for a KPJ step back three. And that, this doesn't excuse all of KPJ step back threes because he does take some where it doesn't really make, make much sense. But I think that that's a really good point that you hit. Um, that being said, still on the on the topic of Shangun, right? You you talked about the defense. I, I see a lot of people often that say offensively that they want him to develop a three point shot, and I think. I don't know, at least to me, while that would be cool and it, it would allow you to run pick and pop and it, it would allow you to run him off the ball completely, even so Shengun at this point, you, you probably want to use him either with the ball in his hands or screening for someone who has the ball in his hands. Usually not as a pure sports spacer, right? His Him getting a three-point shot would help would bring that facet of his game um, and that would give you more options. But I actually... I don't think that's the most important thing for him offensively. I think I would, and this is really anti-analytics, and I'm usually an analytics guy. I already I, know what you're going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, because uh, I said the same thing the other day. Go ahead. Yeah, because I think I would much rather him, instead of being able to space the floor, I'd rather him even start at the mid-range. I'd rather him be able to punish... So. Right now, he can back down defenders, and he has his spin move to get past people, and he has a little, his little hook shot, right? And when you go look and when you go and look at great post players, even Joel Embiid or Akeem Olajuwon, right? At least for me, in specific, because you guys know I'm young, so I've seen Embiid, but I've also seen Akeem because he's a rocket, right? They part of part of their combo is they are such a threat to just spin, to just turn around and shoot a jump shot over you that you have to account for that. And that opens up space for them to use the spin moves and, and to get by people and get to the rim. And so to me, I think as a center, Shingun will most of the time be used either screening or as or with the ball in his hands. And so I would rather him optimize that part of his game and be truly elite at it rather than try to make, try to fit him into this mold of a player that can also play off the ball really well. Because, well, at that point, if you want a guy like that, you probably shouldn't be going for a guy like Shengun. And, and although that might be something that later down down the line in his career, he's playing with more stars, something that will be important. I think right now, at least for him to succeed in the NBA, I think that little turnaround game, uh, the jump shot out of the post, is something that, that to me is more important. I don't know. Uh, I guess 
since I, I talked about the Spartan specific, if y'all have any other or want to comment on this, uh, things that you should like hang on to develop or what the priority should be on the offensive end, go ahead and take it away. I'll be quick on this matter. Um, you know, starting with the free ball, it would it would really help one just because you know the Rockets don't have a lot of shooters on this current team, so it's just you know it just helps the spacing for everybody else on the court. But you know, as for him and his game in particular, it does open up a lot if he gets you know even a, a mid range jumper. As you, you put it on the money, you can look at a lot of great post scorers in the NBA. They pretty much all have you know a mid range shot. Uh, actually, I can't think of one that doesn't have a mid range jumper. And so Shane Goon gets that, um, it's only going to elevate his game that much more Then he can expand that to the three-point line. Then nice, you know, he shot, I want to say 80% in Turkey when he won MVP from the free-throw line. So I think he'll be able to develop those things. What do you think, though? Yeah, bro? yeah. I mean, I, you, bro, like I literally was, I don't know if I, where I even said it, but that is exactly, to me, it makes, it honestly, it doesn't make any sense for me for a player to develop a three-ball without first being almost, you know, at least average to above average in the mid-range. Because then for him as a big, he's not going to be operating a lot of times as far as with his offensive package at the in the three. When he's at the top of the key, he's going to be there as a facilitator most of the time. So when he's in his bag in the post, he needs that. And you can even think of short rolling, pick and pops within the paint. Him and Jabari, if they can run some actions together where he can just pop up and just shoot a little short jumper, um, that's really all he needs. Um, if he can add that to his game, man, that's just going to blow open the offense because then it puts you in a bind at really wherever they want to go. Um, just another thing as far as, uh, you know, with, with with that, with his development, I think, you know, it takes time for a lot of the, these bigs to get that, the shooting touch. I think he has, like you said, with the free throw percentage, just um, scale out that he's going to be a, a good shooter. Uh, for him this year, I really just want to see whether he can maintain his own as the NBA starting center. Um, I think, you know, people are putting a lot of pressure on him. You know, he's only I think he's still 19. Um, so let's give him some time. But he just needs to show that he belongs in the NBA as far as uh, being able to stay on the floor. Because, like I said, the footsteps for a lot of guys are right right there. And I can see them really um, if, you know, depending on how the draft goes, maybe pivoting away from him if he's not able to do that. Yeah, two quick things, uh, Paulo. Yeah. Shane Good actually does turn 20 on uh, July 25th. So that's how young this kid is. He's just now turning 20. And then another thing, you know, when it comes to pressure, you know, the thing I liked about him a lot when I scouted him, again, winning MVP at 18 years old is so crazy to me. Like, you know, guys like Luca won MVP at Real Madrid, you know. So when it comes to pressure, I feel like he's one of those guys that can, you know, withstand that. You know, he already won MVP in a league of grown men. So. I don't think the NBA really phases him much. So I'm, I'm excited for him to start, man. I know everyone is, but I just wanted to add that. Yeah, it, it's one of those players that just has a really high ceiling. I think the, um, I think a, a fun exercise that we could do since we've got a, a couple of minutes to burn. So I just went on, on Basketball Reference because I wanted to see his free throw stats because he's the guy that gets to the free throw line a lot. And he was a good free throw shooter in Turkey. And I want to see, I know he struggled for a little bit to begin the season. He got up to... 71% for the season, right? And so I went and checked, and Baseball Reference has this little projection tab that tries to predict what, what the players will average um, for for the upcoming season, considering like their age and, and, and what they did the previous season and, and the role that they will have. And so I think a little a little fun thing to, to close out segment would be go at least through the major stats and I'll give you what the projection is and I'll ask you guys if you guys would take the over or the under on that. I think that'll that'll be fun. Okay. 
So for but, for Shangu, right? Yeah. So I'll go I'll go through it. Uh, four points. They have a confident seventeen point two. How do you guys feel about that? Over this is under? per thirty six, though, right? Wait, it is. Because I was on uh, basketball reference the other day. Hmm. It's per thirty six. Wait, it is this his first 36 stats from last season? No, it isn't. It's different. So they have him be a little bit better. I mean, sure. Let's let's look at the per 36. And I mean, uh, it should work. So, so for 17 points, are you taking? I think this one's pretty easy. Are you taking the over or the other? Brad, I was thinking, man. Uh, I got I got to scale it back, you know, thinking back to 30, you know, use that uh, engineering degree I have. Um, I'll take the, <laughs> I'll take the over. I'll take the over. You're going to take the over on 17 points? I mean, it's a per yeah, 36. <laughs> it's a per 36. Yeah. Scale it back. Scale it back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're uh, right. That's high, bro. I'm going to go under. I, I think he's going to be <laughs> probably like, if if on a good seat, if he hits 15, I'll be, I'll be surprised. Okay. Honestly, just because they have so many options. You yeah. think so? Even yeah, I just think they got okay. It. okay. When he played the starting minutes towards the end of the season, he didn't score that much with uh, KPJ and Jalen. You know when they were going nuts, he, I think he scored. I averaged like thirteen or fourteen points per game. Okay, so yeah, for for a quick comparison, he had sixteen point seven per thirty six last year. So, he, yeah. but but he also played lim, uh, less minutes. It's when you play less minutes, the part of this the part exactly. of six numbers that, right. It really it up. So yeah. Yeah. So I'll take, I'll take the under on that as well, just because with Jabari Smith on the team as well, you have Ferry Gordon starting, I think he'll get touches. I think he probably won't get that many touches. Um, next one will go through uh, total rebounds. They have nine point five. I'll start on this one. I'll take the over on that. Same. Uh, looking at his last year's per thirty six, I'll take the over as well. I'll take the over as well. Yeah, over as well. yeah he he's was just... he was on par with a uh, with a uh, Mobley and rebounding last year with all his like advanced stats. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, he seems like a good rebounder. He seems to take that personally. And our team isn't really, even, especially with Eric Gordon there, there. There's not a lot of good rebounders there. So I think a lot of them will fall to Um Okay, we'll go through assists. Is the next one, and they have four point five. Over. Over. Yep. Really. Yeah. Yeah, that's a passer. Any starting now? Yeah. Bro, that man's about to have five. He's gonna average at least five. Talk about a per thirty six. He might outright average four point five. No, I'm just talking about not even per thirty. Just he's gonna average like five or six. Yeah, I agree. That's my that's yeah. my thought. Like, yeah. I, I think. What was he at last year? Like two I, and a half. Yeah. He, yeah. Two, he'll two and a half last year. I'll yeah. go. I think that's really on the money for me. So that's the perfect over under for me at four point five. So I guess to be different, I'll go. I'll go for the under just because of, of usage and if he is running the second unit as well, if they stagger them a little bit, then I think it's pretty comfortable with the over. But without knowing that, just trying to guess right now, I'll go. I'll go for for the under. And then, I mean, blocks and steals are really a crapshoot when it comes to NBA players. So I'll do the the the, the splits instead. They've got field goal percentage at forty nine percent. I'll take the over on that. Just Ooh. raw field goal? 40 yeah, over. For a center? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be difficult. I want to say he was around that same um, percentage last year. I'll personally, it, it depends on the season. I think he can start low because he's going to be going against NBA centers and towards the end he could kick it up because I have that um, expectation in him. 
I think, I'll say over, but I could see a slow start just because he's going against NBA centers or so, starting centers. I don't know why I said NBA centers. Starting for, centers. You know. yeah. For me, I think when he was at that backup role, right, he was having a lot of higher of his percentage of his shots being threes. I think that's what tanked the the, the percentage a little bit. Although he did shoot only fifty four percent from from two point field goal, which I don't think is great for for centers. But I do think he'll have he'll play more inside on more extended minutes and one three like if he would go a full game shooting four shots and two of those were just spot up threes because he wasn't being used right that's already that's going to tank your your field goal percentage a lot so I'll go for the over because of that you go through um, three point percentage which is twenty eight percent on the on the thing over. Over, okay. come on now. Uh, what are you feeling? Under? I don't know, bro. He <laughs> was at 25 <laughs> last year, right? Yeah, right? It was like 25 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Man, yeah, I, I think it'll be right there, just like with the other one you were talking about, Paula. I'm, I'm going to say, I'll say, I'll say under, man. I'm going to say under. I just don't see that per, jet jump. If it is, it'll be like 27 or something. You think he can um, develop a good three ball, like in the NBA? Yeah, I, I mean, I've looked at a lot of like Mark Powell, all these yeah. uh, European centers. They, 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 some of them never even shot threes ever. And when they did, they missed them. Then over like five, six years into their career, a lot of them get up to 40s. So it's it's yeah. a skill thing. And those guys are skilled. I think they can learn it. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brad? You taking the over? Yeah, I'll take the over. But when it comes to that assist, man, look, I'm not a bad man, but I'll bet good money that he'll get uh, over 4.5 assists. But yeah, I'm over yeah, on that. that that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> 28%. I'll take the over as well. I don't think it will be by much. I think 29, maybe 30%. But I'll take the over. And then we've got two left. we got free throw percentage, which is at a 73. And I'll take... It's on the verge for me, but I'll take the over as well by a little bit. That's kind of... Yeah, same for me. I'll take the over. So he was 71% last year. I thought it was lower. Um, I'll, I'll take the over. Um, he got to the line a lot last year. He's going to get to the line a lot more this year. He's going to be more comfortable there in my opinion, year two. Over. That's fair enough. And then our last uh, over uh, and under will be field goal attempts. They have it projected at 12.7, so we'll call it 13. 13 over or under. How many was he at last year? Just uh, 7.3. That's, That's per game or over under? That's per game or per 36 last year? Uh, no, oh, per 36 last year it was 12.7. So it was basically the exact same. Oh. I'm going to go under. First field goal. I, I don't think he gets. Yeah. yeah I, 13 shots a you know what's crazy? Him being in a starting unit might take. Well, it depends how much, how many minutes he gets with his own unit, because that's why he was getting a lot of his shots. You know, being with the starters Facts. is probably gonna be yeah. more of a facilitator. So that's a good point. It, it'll depend on the rotations, but yeah, I, I think he he likes being a facilitator. Yeah, and he he's like LeBron in a sense, like not in how they play, uh, but like people get on LeBron for always passing the ball. Like he's gonna make the play. So if yeah. he's not like trying, yeah. So if those guys are moving, then I can see him getting those assists, and he's not going to be caring about getting up his shots. He's just going to pass the ball if you're there. Right. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what point. I'm at, too. I'm going for the under as well because I think 
if I was indecisive about the 4.5 assists, if he, he's getting that many assists, he probably isn't getting that many shots up, especially with, with how many guys uh, were playing that that are shot creators. So uh, I'll go for the other as well. Brad, what you go for? Uh, I went for the... I said the over, but I'll go under. The logic is, is screaming under. So <laughs> okay. I'll say that's fair enough. Okay, so that gets that will be us done for our second segment. For our, our third segment, it's the it's the drama alert segment. We're, we're going to be talking about the cap space we have uh, next off season, and with James Harden um, signing a one plus one this year, if you would be comfortable or if you'd like him to come back, if that was a possibility for next year. Uh, that being said, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, and we're back. And for the for our final segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the recent news that James Harden uh, signed a one plus one deal. If he took a little bit of a pay cut with the Sixers, so they could bring on PJ Tucker and Daniel House from free agency, right? And what that might imply is, well, he's going to be. What it does imply is he'll be a free agent again next off season. And one of the biggest question marks with the Rockets roster right now is the point guard position. And that's pretty much what James Harden has been playing um, at the later stage of his career. Guy that's averaging, I think, 10 plus assists for two years now. Um, so that brings up an interesting question. There's clear history between the Rockets and James Harden. When he left, his IG post uh, kind of alluded a little bit to a potential comeback in the future. The Rockets are a team that are both going to be trying to win after next offseason, right, they, since they don't own their pick anymore. And James Harden's a free agent, and they have an immense amount of cap space, close to $70 million, right? So this begs the question. It's it's The writing's on the wall. If James Harden wins a championship in Philadelphia, which is what, what he left for, right? How would you guys feel about bringing him back? And if we did bring him back, what role would you want him to play? Would you trust KPJ to be the starting point guard? Would you want James Harden to be a six-man? Would you want James Harden to start and you move KPJ to the six-man? Then what happens with... There's a lot of wrinkles to it. What happens to Ty Ty, Dishon Knicks, so guys like that, right? Uh, Frank, we'll go to you first. How do you, how would you feel about the James Harden return? I mean, I've, uh, I've, th- I've thought about this. I think over time I've gotten... You know, I've been able to come around to it and and but with a but like so if he's coming back, obviously he has to come back in a more humbled version, because um, if he's coming back to be the uh, kind of the center of the universe for the Rockets, um, I, I don't want that. Um, I would rather see him as a Chris Paul second act after he left Houston, where he's more of a mentor, but a mentor that's still good, like you're the best player on the team, but you know that you're trying to get these guys to a certain level they need to get to rather than just playing uh, to get what you need to get. Um, you know, as far as what it looks like on the court, I don't think to me that excludes KPJ. I, you know, I don't like the juxtaposition people put in. KPJ is either a point guard or the bench. Like, he, he's a wing. At the end of the day, this man, Kevin Porter, is a wing um, that's uh, transitioning into the point guard role. Um, but to me, his default is wing. And I like his talents enough as a three-point shooter and, a, and a, his potential on defense that if I did insert an all-world point guard, that I would just move him to the three. Um, Eric Gordon can go, um, you know, and whoever else is there can go. I would just move KPJ to the three and have a three-guard lineup with Jalen, Kevin Porter, and Harden and stagger them where there's always 
two of them on the court at all times, whether it's KPJ and Harden, Jalen and KPJ, Jalen and Harden, and then you have elite athleticism and elite playmaking throughout the whole game, which is kind of similar to what we try to do in the, with the Chris Paul era where um, I think like Max Kellerman coined and said, you have Hall of Fame point guard play for 48 minutes. Um, so, you know, in a vacuum and in an ideal world, it makes sense. But we know with James, I don't know how I'd feel if I seen him taking plays off on defense, um, not trying and all the stuff that we know he does standing at half court when he doesn't have the ball. I can't imagine him starting to become a screener and be doing all this motion and stuff like that. So I think in like a dream world, it would be kind of cool for him to come back. But in reality, I just don't see how it works basketball fit wise. But I'm sure the Rockets would want it in a sense. Now, I don't know how Tillman would feel about giving him because he wants a big contract after this one. So are we the team that's going to give him a five year super max and then be dealing with Harden at 39? Whatever that looks like after, you know, Turkey Leg Hut and his uh, homegirls uh, <laughs> business party. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm a I mean, I think you brought up a bunch of really good points. I agree with most of what you said. I think if he came back, he'd need to be a Chris Paul type. Um, I think what, what I envision when, when I look at the attractive, attractive side of that idea is Jalen Green, who's this insane off-ball player, all of a sudden paired up with a guy like James Harden who has elite vision. It's going to find him every single time, right? I think, I hope that the last two years for James Harden have kind of taught him that he's not going to be able to be the guy that he was, but he can still be an elite player. And it remains to be seen, right? We're talking about this now, but we don't know how he'll come back next season. Uh, he says that he's finally 100% and that he wasn't 100% the last two seasons ever since the, the hamstring injury. But I would love more athletic James Harden or 100% or James Harden playing the same style that James Harden was playing in Brooklyn and in and in Philly to end the season, right? Um, there are some tweaks that I think he'll still have to make. He'll have to be more ready for catch and shoot jump shots. Um, I think he'll have to be. Uh, I think he'll have to be an example for this team. And I think that's tough for a guy like James. Um, I think he comes in and he's immediately a superstar. We know just KPJ looks up to him a bunch, right? And his habits. I think then the negative side is his habits. While they worked for him, which is a generational talent, right? They might not work for for guys that we have on the roster right now. And while James Harden could afford to live the life that he did live while he was here in Houston, a lot of these guys probably can't. And so there's while there's a lot of positive, there's also a lot of risks that we're taking by, by signing him. Another deal, another thing is his contract, right? What are you trying to sign him for? He is, I think, 33 years old at the moment. Uh, let me just double check. He is, yeah, 32 turns 33 in August 26th, so before the season. At 33 years old, if he wants to come back on a, like, I'll even give him max money, whatever, call it 40 million or whatever, as long as it's a deal that the Rockets can get out of sooner rather than later. So the most I'll do, he can come earn his 40 million dollars for two years. Uh, you can add a plus one in there. Um... I think it would probably have to be a team option for me to accept. But the most important thing for me is I don't want the situation kind of what like what Luca has in Dallas or had in Dallas, where they 
pay Porzingis, and now the team couldn't do any moves to build around Luca because they had this huge cap space black hole that nobody wanted to trade for, and that had, that was on a contract that I think in the first after the first year of that contract it already looked terrible because he got hurt, and then and then you were talking about oh, it's Porzingis making max money for four years, and nobody wants that, and they had to wait a couple of years, and then eventually I think they fleeced. The, the the wizards, but they traded him back for they traded him to the wizards for a couple of other bad contracts that were a little bit smaller, and those guys ended up overperforming uh, what they had done up to that point in their careers, right? And so it kind of worked out for them now, but for a couple of years there they were stuck. And so from a cap perspective, they need to be really careful with what they do. They, I am not even close to giving him a full five-year max, or I don't think we could, but even a four-year max, not even close to that. I'll give him a couple of years. Uh, I think, depending on how he looks this season, I can't see a lot of teams giving him that much money, uh, especially because he just had two injury riddle years and because of his age, he'll be, he'll, he's 33 right now, he'll be 34 by the time we're, we're giving him that contract. Nobody's going to give him a contract until he's 38, for example. And so from that perspective, yes. And then the, the on-the-court side of it, right? I, I like what you said about the three-guard lineup. I hadn't really thought about that. The way I had envisioned it was more of a, you slide KPJ back to the six-man, or, or if KPJ has a huge lead, then maybe maybe you let them play all three together and, and you figure it out later. But I was I was envisioning, I don't think KPJ will be at that level quite yet, at least not at Harden level, even at this stage in his career. And so it, it would be one of those dynamics where if it, where Harden is the king, or the king is kind of a bad word, um, as, at the same time as KPJ is on the rise and then eventually KPJ surpasses him and you flip them around and you start KPJ, right? Um, one, of, one of that type of dynamic, considering how much young talent the Rockets have, um, I think depending on who we draft, if we draft a point card, then I'm probably good on this. Uh, I'll probably just not touch it because the risk, the reward no longer compensates for the, the all the risks that I mentioned. Uh, but I'm not as close to it as a lot of the fan base is. When I mentioned it on Twitter, people were really mad about it. And I think not only am I not as close to the idea as the, a lot of the fan base is, I think the idea is a lot more realistic than what fans give it credit for. There's a lot of stuff there. There's Harden's ties to Houston. There would be the Harden already getting what he wanted in the championship while at the same time they're not being real insane potential for him to repeat because if they win this year, they're not the favorites. And so it would be a bit of an underdog situation. And so it wouldn't be like the Nets where if they won once, they would still be the favorites the year afterwards, right? Uh, so I think it's a little bit more realistic than people give it credit for. Although I would be really careful in the in the way that I would do it. What about you, Brad? Yeah, so I, talk, I talked about this in the space today. So, you know, it's fresh on my mind. So I'll try to be quick and concise. But, you know, first inspiration, well, Harden, I don't see him coming to Houston if he doesn't want to ring in Philly. Um, even if he didn't want to ring in Philly, I would still be ring chasing if I were him. So, and, you know, it, in any scenario where they lose and he wants to come to Houston, I don't see that happening. But if that were to happen, okay, let's talk about, you know, the Rockets. If he wants to come there, um, <clears throat> you know, KPJ is a big piece of the equation. I personally would like him to come to the three. You know, KPJ, if Harden were to come in, I would still want to start Kevin Porter Jr. But, you know, um, James Harden role, you know, that would be the primary thing. As Frank mentioned, you don't want him being that guy that's just going to be, you know, the number one guy, you know, 
dribble, 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 dribble. You know, standing at the top of the key. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, half-assing out there. Excuse my language for your podcast. But, you know, James Harden, I, I expect him to kind of play how he's playing in Philly. You know, not like just because he has a hurt hamstring, but, you know, a better version of that. You know, Tyrese Maxey is looking really good over there with James Harden by his side. I think he really elevates Jalen Green's play. And, you know, this is a discussion, I'll end on this, that we had in the um, this Twitter space today. I think, and they were saying, you know, James Harden is the best player on the team if he comes next year. He's not going to play second fiddle to Jalen Green. And I said, well, player doesn't matter. You know, whoever's the better scorer, you know, James Harden has a the higher, you know, high enough IQ to recognize, okay, yeah, this is the guy who needs to be getting the touches. I'm going to be kicking the rock to him. By, you know, this upcoming year, Jalen Green, I think, is going to average, you know, anywhere from 22 to 25 points per game. Maybe more. He might shock me. But going into that next year, if that's my expectation, I expect him to be an even better offensive player. And then you got James Harden declining another year. He'll be 34, as Pablo mentioned, by the start of that season. I think Jalen Green will be a better scorer at that point in his career. It may sound crazy. Maybe it's a hot take. Y'all tell me if that's a crazy take. But I just thought about it today. I think Jalen Green will be a better scorer at that time than Harden is at 34. And then in that case, James Harden would look really good elevating Jalen Green at that stage of his career. And then from there, that would be the first year the Rockets get to the playoffs and see what happens from there. Uh, when it comes to that Supermax really quick, I would do a one-in-one -one deal. The Rockets have $70 million in cap space. I'm pretty sure you can pay him as much as you want. Um, it wouldn't affect the cap space, to be honest. Yeah, so I think one part of it that kind of – that we haven't mentioned yet is if Harden comes, uh, well, first of all, in my opinion, he's coming to elevate us from a rebuilding team to a play-in bottom of the playoffs team, right? You're not expecting to instantly become a contender. It's not that type of free agent acquisition. Um, even though that happened with the Suns, that's not something that happens barely ever. And being conservative, it's probably one Harden to help you take that next step. And once you get uh, Jalen Green and all of these young guys some playoff reps, maybe they're mature enough to get there by themselves and you'd have Harden, if you sign him to a short deal, you'd have Harden coming off the books and you have more flexibility there. Um, the other thing we haven't touched on that I kind of wanted to steer the conversation towards is well, what happens to Alperen Sengun? Because if you bring in Harden, then the only off-ball player or the only role-player type that we would have uh would be Jabari, right? The only guy that's going to be playing defense at a really high level and shooting threes. Is that too much? Would you still trust Shengun to be the starting center? You'd have to improve a lot on defense, in my opinion. If you're having that much creation, you'd probably, you should probably go after a more defensive-minded center Um with the rest of your cap space or via trade or whatever, how would you feel about Albert and Shingun in the world where James Harden does sign in Houston, uh, Frank? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. And when I was thinking about this, that is something that came up in my mind. Like, it depends on how he looks on defense because we can't, if we are trying to elevate, then we, we can't afford to have two negative players on defense. And I don't think he's going to be a negative, but if he is, then he might have to go to the bench. Um, and they were probably if you're bringing James, then you're going to construct a real team. So that means we're going to have a traditional uh, big that can protect the paint. Um, that means you, you might bring in some other vets um, to kind of fill out the roster a little bit. So I think it'll look totally different. And to your point, I think if, if James is healthy and comes to the Rockets, we are going to be a playoff team because I truly believe we have enough talent 
uh, young talent that you insert a superstar to them, especially going into, uh, you know, the 2021 classes, third year, Jabari's and Tari's and Ty Ty's second year, KPJ is going to be a fifth year player. And uh, you would assume wow. that, you know, what I mean, at that time, these dudes are ready to kind of pop off. And I I think if, if James Harden joins the Rockets in 2023, we're a playoff team. I just can't see a team with him, his resume, as far as carrying franchises and doing stuff like that, being a playing team. I think we'd instantly be in the top nine or eight just just by him existing on the roster yep i think that's a really good point um i don't know brad do you want to touch on anything else hard and related i was going to kind of to close out on on a, a different note i was going to scroll through the free agent list for 2023 because you're gonna you're talking about Harden, right he would be a big chunk of that cap space and so part of the equation has to be well if you don't get Harden. You have the cap space to invest into some other guys. And I was going to go through some of those other guys and like just list some of them off and see what, what your thoughts are on them. Uh, closing out, I do think, you know, as you mentioned, getting a defensive center would be good. Um, so perfect segue into your list of free agents. While you pull that up, um, a guy I've been looking at for a long time who might be unrealistic now that we have Tate Washington, uh, Patrick Beverly. Um, I thought he would be a good acquisition for the team. Before the draft, you know, a dog on defense, three and D, you know, get some energy into these guys. You know what I'm saying? The Rockets, you know, again, bad defensive team. I thought Pat Bev would be a good acquisition off the bench. Ty Ty's here. I do think Ty Ty could slide to the two. You know, I don't want him to, but, you know, Patrick Bev is not a true point guard. You know, it's positionless basketball at the end of the day. I think Ty Ty and P Bev can mess around and play together. You know, Ty Ty's a 6'9 wingspan, 6'3, you know, height. You know, it could happen, but uh, I'm less you know, keen to the idea with a tight type in there. I guess I'll go, I'll go through some names. So um, I guess I'll ask first, what's the first kind of hole that you're looking to plug going into next season? I know a lot of it will depend on how a lot of these guys look, but position-wise or archetype-wise, so I can kind of, you know, filter it and that mold and have a more uh, meaningful list, I guess. What Go ahead, Frank. I know mine. Yeah, I would say point guard. It's point guard easy because drafting Jabari and how dependent he's going to be on the playmaking from other people and even Tari to an extent, even though Tari can generate his own offense and transition, um, we need it because just learning more about the offensive system that Coach Silas wants to run, he needs guys that are able to set the table and run set those um, offensive um, plays up so that everybody can get theirs. The more talent we add on the team, the onus on the guards to be able to maximize all that talent is really going to really be important. And I think as far as him having to not open up his entire playbook is because our team, our team is young and they wouldn't be able to make all those reads and be able to do that over and over an entire game. And I always use this analogy and I'm going to keep using it. A point guard is like a quarterback in football. The quarterback is the guy that feeds the receiver. The quarterback is the one that can audible so a running back doesn't get the ball. So when you're the guy that determines how other guys eat, you got to be on point. And I think for the team, with all these talented guys, it was cool when we were um, kind of experimenting in 2020 and seeing the growth out of Kevin Porter in 2021, and I hope he continues to grow. But now you're getting real talent in the team that you, they can get disgruntled if they're not getting the ball in their spots. And, uh, you know, that's something I think a backup point guard would be able to address uh, for the team. Okay, so point guards for, for Frank, what about you, Brad? Uh, 
I mean, just looking at the roster now, we have Tari. I, I agree with Frank. Uh, point guard is extremely important. Uh, personally, I'm looking right now. I, I said I wanted to plug Tari Eason at the back of five. I don't want him playing back of five. I want him starting at the three in the long haul. So they could get some depth at the center position. <laughs> that would be much appreciated. I, I think the Rockets still need a, a lob threat. Um, it, they don't technically have a playmaker to really um, – facilitate to a lob threat like that but you know having those kind of guys who are you know defensive bigs lob threats are good to have so personally that'd be nice to have as a backup center okay so going for uh backup point guards first i'm just gonna fire off some names and you say yes or no just quick as it is are you interested or are you not uh i'm going to go first um (laughs) just to be controversial carry irving <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but that was that caught me off guard. Uh probably not. I don't know. Nah. Yeah, that's a no I, for nah, me. nah, I don't want that. For yeah, nah. Time. Yeah, afraid not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. Yes. Whew. I would. Yeah, you're right. All right, fine. Let's let's have fun. Let's, let's say depends it. on how much money he wants, <laughs> but but probably yes. It's something I'd be interested in. Um just there's a bunch of shooting guards in here there's patrick beverly who brad mentioned for me it's a yes uh it's a yes yeah for sure 100 okay next one is righty jackson yeah I, I mean i'm mad at reggie i mean you got to know how damn bad we are right now bro so yeah I mean, every everybody <laughs> you say sounds like like jerry west like you're just naming like <laughs> you know what i mean like it sounds like you're saying michael jordan michael jordan michael yeah, so yes. <laughs> um, we, we I feel that. You know, I changed my answer to yes <laughs> in respect to that. There's there's Kobe White. So this is not a lot of guys. Kobe White? Yeah, I like Kobe. Yeah, he's not bad. I had him in a fantasy basketball last year. Pretty the good. reaction is always the same. I love it. It's all, uh, okay. Maybe hey, y'all know how bad we were that when Schroeder came in and people were like happy that he was running pick and rolls and yes. actually – like throwing the ball to the guy that was supposed to get to, so yeah. And, and Any then, of these guys. Yeah. For context, the dude was at, was was averaging eleven, four, and six, three and six on on thirty nine, thirty three. <laughs> like like what? It was it was all it looked like Chris Paul, like to us <laughs> in our eyes, like prime CP three. Like I was like, damn, he made a cross court pass. <laughs> yeah, I remember he threw that that that, that one lob pass uh, half court, and Twitter was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a, that's a real crazy, point guard right, right there." I'm like, "All right, y'all need to get off the app." Yeah, yeah, we was gassing, we was gassing. <laughs> yeah. What about what about Kendrick Nunn? We, have, we haven't seen for for a year now. Yeah. No, I can... Nah, that's an old for me. Man, I heard Kendrick. I, I thought you were about to say Perkins. <laughs> I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot about Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> but yeah, I said that's a no for me. That's a no. Um, I mean. This is this is decaying really quickly. I will say that uh, there really isn't. There's Austin Rivers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind Austin. I'll take him back. Yeah, get him back. Get him back. Play defense. You know, do his little right, right. Go to the right crossover. You know, he got that one crossover. Y'all remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got that one. And it would work every time. It, it worked every time. high school. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and then then after that, it's just a bunch of undrafted rookies on minimum deal. So. Uh, that's it for point cards. So if we're looking after a point card, we better land uh, Scoots, uh, one of the, the Thompson twins, or 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 Nick Smith or something, because this is not encouraging. But or, uh, going... don't forget, Case and Wallace. 
really good prospect, really good defender. Check him out. I like him a lot. You familiar with him, Frank, by any chance? No, I'm not a draft guy. I, I'd only, yeah, only care idea. about the draft right before after the season's over. I have no idea who these guys I know obviously yeah. the top five, but you'll nah, see him. He's a... he's clamps on defense. So okay. Yeah. Okay. So going for going for centers, okay. Um you have what I think will be thirty eight year old Al Horford coming off this big deal. Ooh, I think that's yeah, too we're... much for me. Well, it's Probably like, involved. I mean, they'll have 70 million cap space. Uh, if they get them on like yeah. a one-year deal and they just like, ah, let's make the playoffs, you can throw him in back at five. Maybe. No, he's too good. Think? He can't play back. Bro, that dude's a, he's a stud, bro. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I just, yeah, he's too good. He's like too good. I, I would yeah. love him on a team. Yeah. I'll yeah. bench Shangun for Al, Al Horford right now. You think like, he's going to be as good next year? Even if he drops a little bit, that's still like high IQ defense, three point force floor spacer. He can pass. He can post. He's you know, I start. Cool. I start him on the Rockets. Move Jabari to the three. Or is that is that talking crazy? Nah, I mean I that'd, that'd be a top good. fifteen defense to me. Yeah, put yeah, it yeah. him. Okay, so we got Miles Turner. I mean, that's a yes for me. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think yeah, that was the one center I knew was gonna be in that class. So yeah, yeah. And I, I think he's one of the guys that would st have to start as well. He's too good to yeah. be a backup. Yeah. Yes. Stephen Adams. Uh, yeah. off, the, off the bench, I would take him because yeah, I would take him. Yeah. I just described that. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would hesitate a, a little bit though because he's not a lob threat like that. He, his yeah. pick and roll as a role man isn't. And I, I want to see some Ty Ty get because I think Ty Ty really did a lot of his operating in that and as a, with a pick and roll big. And that's really where he makes his money. <laughs> I mean, we would be going in the span of two years. We'd be going from Christian Wood screens to Stephen Adams screens. That's gonna be something. yeah. That'd be like that'd be like going from Knicks to Schroeder almost. <laughs> that's your oh, backup. Dennis no. yeah. Schroeder, dude, it's gonna be in there forever now. Dennis. The goat. Dennis we got Schroeder. we got Brooke Lopez at thirty six years old. He's still in the league. Where was he at last year? Brooke is the. He was hurt for the. Oh, that's the Sideshow Bob one. Oh, he's still in Milwaukee, man. I forgot my memory's getting bad. Is uh, Brooke Sideshow Bob or is that? Where's the? What's the other one's name? Uh, Robert Lopez. I think that's him. Okay, Robin Sideshow Bob. Oh, I said Robert. Yeah, Robin. My fault. Robin. Robin. Lopez. I Brooke Lopez. Yeah, I think he'll be a good bet. Okay, we got Ibaka at what I think is thirty-five. If he's he's, nah, he's a he's, he's a corpse. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. I think this is this is an interesting one. Um, well, before him, uh, Narones Noel is someone I like as well. Yeah, I was. That's the guy uh, Mori tried to get a few years ago from the Knicks, right? Yeah. And, it wasn't and then Clutch put it away or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then we 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 needed a big against the Lakers, and we didn't have one. Uh, I'll forever be hurt by Clutch because of that. Uh, next one is Yakapoto. To me, that's a yes as well. Yeah, I like him. Rockets killer. He yeah, I'm gonna say yes on Yaka. Yeah, he's a good player, a stud in fantasy that, basketball. If you ever play, that dude destroys us. Well, he destroyed yes. Christian Wood every time. Like he yeah, just turned he's into nice. like Tim Duncan when he came to Houston and played. So yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. we've got Jackson Hayes. Yes. Yes, that is okay. the perfect. That is what I just described. Yes. I would give up. Listen, hot take. I give up a, a first round pick for him. That's fair, and, and like, he's someone. With the Hornets, that they have so much depth nowadays, and with Zion right. coming back as well, someone's mm -hmm. gonna have to shake off of that roster. Even either him or or what's his name, Jonas Valanciunas. One of them will probably not be there 
because eventually you'd think that they'll both eclipse being bent, being coming off the bench. And so he's someone I like as well. And then we've got we've got Gorky Dang, Gorky Dang, who I, I like them off the bench. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, dude, I thought he's known for never it. misses. I swear to God, he never misses a three. <laughs> I say, yeah. I say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's tough. I never liked him, but yeah, I, I guess I can. Yeah, and really quick on him, I know Kelly Ica put him on the uh, the Rockets big board uh, free agents to potentially sign. Dang it. You know, he agents. put Dang on there? Yeah, yeah. It okay. didn't happen, but <laughs> I would, I would got, be close to it. Yeah. I think we're finishing off. We got... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Andre Drummond. To me, that's a no. Boards. Uh, yeah, I mean, backup, yeah. If, on a minimum. That's a, a stat uh, patent legend right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want my younger <laughs> player stat padding, not this guy. Yeah. That's a no. She's stat padding too much for me. That's a no. I like him. No, no, I feel you. No, realistically, I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't mind it. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, he's a big body rebounder. You know what I mean? Just, for, yeah. For less than the MLE. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got Thomas Bryant, who was with the Wizards. He got hurt. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's a dog, bro. Yeah, he yeah, can play. He, he, yeah. he was, That's he's a free thing. agent. They didn't re uh, resign him? So he'll apparently be a free agent this year. He'll just oh, okay. have yeah, I'm shocked because he was balling out of control when they, before he got hurt. Like, the dude was, he was yeah. pretty cold. He, he's a he's an interesting he's an interesting prospect as someone who's who's able to shoot as well and he's one of was one of those the first guys that as a prospect came in and then was kind of, and could kind of shoot he was never a knockdown guy but you know mm-hmm. and last guy is gonna be Nas Reed from the team love Nas Reed I like I, I love like Nas Reed. that's a solid pickup I wouldn't even hesitate to pick him up to be honest and he'll be young still he'll be like twenty five yeah. I think no twenty four even less. So yeah, he's someone I like a lot as well. So hey, those there's if if we don't get Harden, there's still some some good some good options out there, and it'll be tough because they'll be taking minutes away from guys that are younger than them. But I mean, I'm sure the way they will look at it next season is, well, we're trying to make the play-in, so you need to be a better player, or be close enough and project to be a better player. Than, than whoever you're signing, and so as I think a lot of the guys that we have won't get um, won't get it. We'll lose the chance um, come next year. They'll they'll be your typical guys on the contenders that just play garbage minutes, and that's 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 how it, that's probably how it'll happen. But I think it's been it's been a fun path. Um, we'll we'll draw a close here. Uh, Frank, go tell people uh, where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ftank58, at Apathetic. Um, and on the Chop Shop, um, we have a YouTube page, the HCX Chop Shop YouTube page. We do podcasts, breakdown videos, highlights, everything there. I think we got some stuff coming up. Um, we're looking at some some plays, looking at um, some of the stuff that we did in the last season, uh, looking at some of the players, their best games. I'm going to look at some Jalen Green defensive stuff and um, just a lot of you know stuff to kill the void that we have these next two months the fan base is going to be down bad so um all the content creator is going to be up to us to kind of fill it with content and arguments so yeah i'm going to try to yeah. do my part in that let's get all the the hypotheticals rolling and get people yes uh, sir Kate better than luca let's go <laughs> but that was <laughs> a thing over the last week that was a real thing yes. <laughs> um brad go ahead and tell people where they can find you 
Yeah, before I do that, really quickly, make sure you know subscribe to Frank and them's uh, YouTube channel at the Chop Shop. They're almost at a thousand subscribers. That's where that monetization kicks in. So you know, go help them out if y'all can do that. Uh, for myself, kids. Yeah, there you go. Need that. <laughs> <laughs> Need that. And Paulo, you know, I want to thank you for allowing me to host. You know, Don's absence. If you want me to, you know, replace him permanently, I got you. But no, I'm messing up. But yeah, no, you can catch me on the Brad and Will Show on Classic Control Room as well. Um, we, we drop every single Monday at 10 a.m. Central. And, you know, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, you catch me at BradoNBA. I got a whole bunch of stats, as I've said. Uh, enjoy posting stats for you guys. So you can check me out there if y'all want to see those. But, yeah, uh, Paulo, again, I appreciate you for giving me Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. For sure. Uh, and so to, to get back at Don, if you're listening to this and, you, you and you're a part of Rocket Studio, go and tag Don and say, Brad's a better co-host than you are. <laughs> and we'll see how many we can nah, see how many we can get to, to tweet that at him and see. Uh, I don't even know if you listen to the plot back. So um, that being said, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Alves NBA. That's P A U L O A L V E S N B A. Everything I do from podcasts like this one to the live shows on Twitter Spaces, we find self links on there. You can find the pod at ClipCDCR on Twitter. If you go on the description there, there's a little link tree with the YouTube link, the Apple link, the Spotify link. Everything will be found there. Um, make sure to drop it a follow to keep up with, with whatever we do. That being said, it's been a fun podcast. Uh, we'll check in with y'all on Tuesday again. Uh, be safe and go Rockets. Go Rockets. Go Rockets. <laughs>